habits to set aside for yourself and you know yourself, you're going to show up so much better for those people. And you're going to model, if it's kids, you're going to model to them what it looks like to prioritize you and take care of you versus us continuing to model this this self-sacrificing behavior that so many of us grew up seeing. Today on the show, I am joined by my biz bestie, Dr. Laura Desiseris. She is a functional medicine health strategist specializing in women's health and high performance. Laura works with driven, ambitious women, helping them rebuild their metabolism so they can experience optimal brain health, body composition, and natural vitality. She takes a female-centric approach to health and wellness, teaching women about their bodies and brains so that they can make better decisions for their health and leverage their biochemistry for optimal performance. And she has an amazing new offer called her Wellness Mastermind that you will hear all about towards the end of this episode. You can find her contributions and outlets such as Forbes, NBC, Mind Body Green, Greatest Parade, Well and Good, and so many other publications. She is based out of Scottsdale, Arizona, and works with clients virtually around this world. And I cannot wait for y'all to dive in, so let's get to it. All right, welcome back to another episode of Human on the Daily. And today I am so excited, not only like, I love this human so much, and y'all are going to learn so much from her. This is my biz bestie, Dr. Laura, and I would love, so like, I know you're an absolute badass, but not everyone listening does yet. So tell us a little bit about you and your journey to where you're at now with what you're doing. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here, and it's been so fun watching you launch this project amongst all the other incredible things you do. So I can't wait for it. But yeah, I am a functional medicine trained practitioner. I serve as a health and high performance strategist. So really, I kind of transitioned a few years ago out of the clinic and into the virtual world, which has been a great experience. And I get to work with entrepreneurs and business owners, women in the corporate world, and just really help them understand that if they take the time to learn more about their female physiology and their female brain and approaching their day-to-day life like a woman, everything becomes much easier. And that that myth of work-life balance that's kind of BS goes out the window <laughs> because what we're really looking for is just a way to live more in alignment with how we're wired. And I know we've talked about it a ton, um, but kind of what's what's one of the main things that you see women kind of like mess up quote unquote, for those who are listening, giving air quotes, where is it that we kind of like follow the societal norm and it's more of the male versus the female? Like what's kind of like the biggest one that women, you find that they don't even know that they're doing? Yeah, I think first and foremost, we overcomplicate health and wellness beyond beyond what you would imagine is possible. You know, we, we try and get into the nitty gritty details and overanalyze everything and continually add more to our plate while restricting ourselves from things that bring us joy. And all we end up with is this not so great relationship with our health and our bodies. And I think the biggest mistake women make through no fault of their own, for many of us, it's it's just the environment and culture we've grown up in is we try and do everything exactly the same day in and day out. We're taught to have these crazy routines every single day. That's what you need to be successful. But we're wired differently at all these different phases of our menstrual cycle. So what works for you early on may not be the best things for you later. And so those times where we sit back as women, why does it feel like I'm fighting today? I'm fighting everything to to get to the gym, to do this, to do that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's because we kind of are, we're, we're kind of trying to do yeah. things that aren't aligned with what our body really needs. 
Yeah, and I think that's really important. I, I think that's going to be a great segue to you and I have chatted so much about really diving, like listening to what our body needs and not subscribing to like the hustle culture and that kind of go, go, go. So I know a lot of the listeners myself, like we've talked about it, that idea of like, well, if I rest, I'm being unproductive. So kind of tell us, like, what are your thoughts on that? How can you make rest more productive? Maybe how can you reframe it so that it feels a little bit better to take all that stuff and work on a better alignment? Yeah. So many of us have, have been trained or have trained ourselves to, to kind of think that if we're not doing something all of the time, we're just wasting time. It's wasted time. Mm -hmm. That could be something else. But the reality is when you look at, when you look at cultures around the world where people are the happiest, where they have the longest lifespans and the longest health spans, whether you're a man or a woman, they, they have this concept of rest and being present as a, a commonality between all of those cultures. And I don't know if that's just an American thing or <laughs> just some of us tend to be a little more, a little more driven go-getters and there's nothing wrong with that. But this concept of rest, like rest in and of itself can be productive. It's like, it's like pulling back on an arrow before you launch it, right? Versus mm -hmm. what a lot of us do with rest is we'll, we'll go, go, go until we hit a wall and we're forced to rest and we're exhausted resting. But you can actually yeah. be like, energized resting. Like I feel pretty good, but I know my body, I know my nervous system. I know my hormones need, need an hour to just chill. Right. Yeah. You know, if you want to add this layer of how can I do this more productively of, of course they're like, enter the biohacking world. Like there's PEMF, mm -hmm. there's red light therapy. Like there's lots of things you can do to support yourself while you're resting. But I think, I think rest, especially rest with disconnecting from our tech and our work and our mm -hmm. phones is, is so, is so productive, like probably yeah. the most forgotten thing about productivity for a lot of women. Yeah. I think it makes me think of this analogy that I heard once of the bend in the road. And anytime we're coming up to like a really, a big curve when we're driving, like, what do we have to do? We slow down so that we can speed up at the, on the back end of that. And so it's that that was like my big aha moment. I think it's exactly in line with what you just said of like getting yourself slowing down to in order to propel yourself even further and faster on the back end versus if you're forced to slow down, that's very different. It feels very different, even energetically. Like it's a much longer time that you need to slow down. You really can't speed up on the back end. You kind of have to ease back into things. And that's where a lot of people kind of get messy with it. Yeah. I love, I love that analogy because it's true. If you go into that bend in the road, full speed, like your car is going to roll over. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to end well. As um, much as you like to think that you're fast and furious, <laughs> like Tokyo drift, like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> That's For actually, sure. it's hilarious. It's like a running joke in my family. Cause I think I just got my driver's license when the first one of those movies came out <laughs> and I terrified my little brother trying to drive home <laughs> after that. But anyways, <laughs> okay. So I want to circle back to something that you said earlier, as far as females and kind of understanding your hormones. And I know you and I have talked and I love how you talk about it being like the superpower. Like if you understand your hormones, you can actually create more of that ease in your life that I think a lot of us are trying to strive for, particularly with that rest that we just talked about. So let's dive into that a little bit more. Absolutely. You know, I think, I think back to when what my knowledge was about hormones growing up. And I had maybe like a 20 minute presentation in middle school where they were trying to tell you about your period and 
tampons and all of that and not really explaining what was actually happening. Then there's like one day in high school and even college biology where you're like memorizing a graph about the menstrual cycle. And even even still continuing through grad school, women's hormones are kind of skimmed over unless they're spoken about as oh, if it's problematic, give them the birth control pill. Oh, if it's problematic, they need that. And and they're yeah, always I got framed. Even none of that, none of that that you just stated. And like, I have a, like, it's a doctor of physical therapy, like, but that's something that I should know. Yeah, so. Absolutely. And it, it there, my point is they're always, they were always framed as something that was, they had to be kept quiet. It was bad. Yeah. It was private. Like it, was, it was yeah. And the reality is that that didn't set any of us up for success for actually learning about our bodies. I mean, I still, I still talk to women to this day who, and, and I don't mean this to, to hurt anyone's feelings. Like a lot of adult women still don't even know that there's only a couple of days every month you can get pregnant. Like we, we don't mm-hmm. teach women about understanding their bodies and even moving beyond the fertility aspect of it, our hormones and that those fluctuations that are happening every month they're giving us information about the communication networks between our brain and our endocrine organs. They're giving us information about how our brain can function better with certain tasks at one point in our cycle versus another. And if you really want to talk about, you know, leveraging your physiology to feel better, to perform better, to focus better, to get that sense of ease and alignment in life that so many of us want, I mean, Imagine trying to force yourself to do certain kinds of work on days that your brain is not wired to perform that way. Like, of course it feels hard. This is when we end up wasting time. We don't feel productive because we're not paying attention to what we're really good at from a hormonal standpoint. And I know we all like to think that we're these higher level creatures, but ultimately we're, we're ruled a lot by our neurochemistry and our hormones. So considering them along the way, can just really reframe how we look at creating our daily schedules in work and life in workouts, recovery, when we need to pay more attention to recovery, when we can push the limit a little bit more. And that just makes all of those decisions around your health and wellness routines a heck of a lot easier once you can understand what's actually happening with your biology first. And I think, and what you said too, so I'm pretty sure that literally everyone listening can resonate with the feeling of trying to get work done on a day. And it's just like, nothing is going right. And it's almost like you're backtracking because like, you just can't make forward progress. And you kind of, you start beating yourself up. And not only are you beating your head against the wall, but and taking all this time to figure it out. But I feel like we tend to put ourselves in a, like a shame spiral about it as well. And I'm curious, like, are we really doing ourselves an extra disservice? Like, is that adding to things at that point? Yeah. It's like what, what the narrative I see is that people say, oh, if you can't focus, if you're not being productive, it's a discipline problem. Like Mm -hmm. motivational only get you so far. You need to be disciplined to do these things. But to me, that's, you know, not to get, not to go too far away from this conversation. That's like a very patriarchal approach to how Mm -hmm. we look at productivity, how we look at work. It's all about the number the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And that shame spiral concept, like men don't do that to themselves. Like if men have an off day, if they don't perform well, they just move on. That's a, that's a female thing that we tend, we tend to be hardest on ourselves. And that adds such an extra layer of stress because I know you and I both know this, our, our thoughts impact our physiology, they impact Mm -hmm. there's, there's all these connections like body hears everything your mind thinks. So if you're 
You're constantly telling yourself, it's not good enough. I'm not productive enough. You're not showing up. You're not doing what I need you to do. Like body's going to start sending out little SOS stress signals because it's like, I don't really understand what she's saying, but it feels like it's not safe. So I need to, to start the cortisol cascade and all these other things. And, you know, that quickly unravels over time into a lot of chronic health issues for a lot of women, especially as we start aging into our mid thirties and forties and beyond. And kind of along those lines. So we think about, like, we just talked about the shame spiral. And like you said, both of us very much know how like feelings can affect. Like, I know we've talked about the fact that emotional, mental, and physical health are so intertwined. And so if you're off in one, it'll affect the others. And I'm curious if you have any like tips or tools for someone who's listening that is navigating a hard time, whether it is just a lot of stress, whether it is that they're battling depression and falling into these shame spirals, whether it's a divorce or maybe health, maybe it's a new relationship and moving in with a new partner and like having their world kind of thrown a little bit. Like, are there things, because I know that that's going to affect how we're functioning, but are there any like little tips or tools that people can use to better navigate that? I hate the phrase, give yourself grace. Like I'm not a fan of that phrase, <laughs> yeah, but I, I like the, I like the intention behind it. I like the thought of, okay, it, to me, it's coming back to how do I start working in some sort of daily ritual that lets me reconnect to my body and be present and be mindful. Mm-hmm. And that's called a practice for a reason. I think a lot of us put mindfulness on like a to-do list. We listen to a five minute meditation. Oh, good. Done. Like on to the next thing, but really being present, it being able to understand your surroundings and say, okay, I have, I have work going on and I want to make sure I'm, you know, eating well and, and doing these things. And is there enough toilet paper? And, you know, do I have shampoo? And also I'm moving in with a new person and sharing my space or something else is going on. And if you, if you, if you don't have a practice, a little ritual every day where, where you give yourself a little space to, to drop into your body and start paying attention to just, how do I feel? How do I feel physically? what's going on upstairs? Like what's going on in my mind? Are my thoughts all over the place? Am I, am I fixating on one thing? If we don't start incorporating that, that moment where we clear out all of the distractions and and just pay attention to like what we want, it's really difficult to navigate life stressors because you're constantly in a state of reactivity. You're not giving yourself space to be able to respond to a new stress. You're living you're living from reacting to one moment after another, after another, after another. So I think before, you know, everyone always wants to know, like, what's the perfect diet? What's the stress supplement? Like, actually, the first thing is literally clearing some space to just, just reconnect with yourself. Like, like look in the mirror in the morning for every day for a week. And I challenge you to point out the things about yourself you love versus immediately looking for, for the things that you don't love. Like that can literally start your dropping into your body presence ritual. Like we are so disconnected from ourselves a lot of the time and, you know, getting in these, these stressful situations, we let our bodies kind of autopilot take over and it's work to offset that it's work to train yourself to be able to be present moment to moment. And it's the simplest thing because this is free to do, but it's the step that most women skip and they immediately go to the protocols and everything else, but you need well, that. Hell, it's first probably step. the most uncomfortable one for a lot it's, of people. Oh, it's absolutely like, the most uncomfortable step. 
even like I'm even at a pretty good spot and even thinking about like looking in the mirror and this is something that I actually do from time to time but huh, like <laughs> it's just it's something that I don't know if it's like societal conditioning as we're growing up or like what it is but there there is a discomfort there and I think it is truly important to get a little bit more comfortable with taking a second to ground into your own body and acknowledge yourself and and like you said like talk about the things that you love about yourself. Hell, it's something that I, I definitely go through with everyone that does my course as far as taking care of yourself first and giving yourself that time so that you can respond and not re- get so reactive and so that you can better take care of other people. So I mm-hmm. love that. You know, you talk about these big life events. I'm thinking back to when I went through a divorce like five years ago and mm-hmm. You know, when that was happening, it was super stressful, emotionally traumatic. I I got hit with a new autoimmune diagnosis in the middle of it. And like, do you know what I did? I literally woke up every day, like blaming myself. Like, how could you let yourself get sick? You're a doctor. Like, how could you not see these things coming? And like, that was the narrative I had. And then I had this day where I woke up and I was like, holy shit, what are you doing? Like, none of this was your fault. Like, can we, can we give ourselves a hug and thank our body for getting us through this very stressful event and like start repairing that relationship? Granted, that's a dramatic example, but how many times throughout the day as women, do we do that? If a work project doesn't go the way we think, if Mm -hmm. we don't, if we don't get as much engagement on a social media post, if people don't sign up for a program, if we don't hit the lift PR we wanted, like yeah. we're immediately looking at like, God, why didn't, I, why didn't I do that? Like, this is my yeah. fault. Like, or even thinking like both of us haven't been in clinic. Like when you have a patient who doesn't immediately like respond the way that you were hoping or get better, it's like, Oh, like I'm, I'm not good enough. It's like, no, there's 5,000 different factors going on here. Like take a breath, take a step back. Like you got this. And I think that's such an important reminder, like dramatic example or not, I think anyone can take little pieces from that and apply it to whatever they have going on in in their life. Yeah. And I, I think for women, you know, we, there's so many hormone issues. So many women have autoimmune issues and everything else. I was, I was having this conversation actually with our friend, Jen Pinner this morning. Um, And we were talking about like, why, why are autoimmune things so common? And of course we can say it's our food, it's this and that. But like, I, I think a big part of this really is this tendency we have to like not live in alignment with our basic human needs, like not, not providing the self-love, not having the supportive communities and all of that stuff is just as important as understanding the next study and the best science and the best evidence-led strategies. Like you need, you need both, you need both sides of the equation for, for real wellness. Yeah. I think that's really good. And if there's any clinicians listening, um, because I know I mean, just from being a clinician for like a decade, I know that's probably a decent chunk of it, of the audience. And I think that's such an important point because it's so easy to just go into like, well, what does the evidence say? And not take more of the psychosocial factors that we know matter or like the, I like to say it's like woo-woo meets Western. Like there are some things mm-hmm. that you can't necessarily like have this meta-analysis to back you up, but it's so important to incorporate alongside the evidence-based care like as a clinician or just as the normal everyday, like like not a clinician, like getting outside of that realm and then just, just taking care of yourself and not necessarily always being like, okay, well, what's the pill I can take? Or what's like the one thing that I need to do? Like, no, like breath work and sound healing and all that stuff works for a reason. It's big for a reason. And I kind of want to circle back because I do think there does seem to be 
like a larger plethora of like autoimmune disease. And then maybe it's just because it's on top of mind. So for anyone listening, like I'm actually currently working with Dr. Laura and got, I like, I feel like leaky gut is everywhere. Like maybe it's the, one of those things where it's like, now that I know that I have it, I'm seeing it everywhere. Like, you know, when you buy a white car, all of a sudden you see a lot of white cars everywhere. So I don't know if it's that, but I feel like it's everywhere. And I was, what's up with that? Is it kind of the same idea or what do you think? It, it is fairly common. You may see it called leaky gut. You may see it called increased intestinal permeability, especially in conversations around chronic health issues, around bloating, around autoimmunity. It's usually always piece of the puzzle. But really, you know, what people used to think a lot about gut health was like, am I going to the bathroom every day? Hmm, I'm good. And actually now what we know is it's it's this entire ecosystem and and really that phrase leaky gut, what it what it refers to is the the gut barrier, the barrier that separates mm. what's inside the GI tract from the rest of the body. That mm. should be nice and tight. It should be closely regulated so that little transporters can control what's passing back and forth. In situations of increased intestinal permeability or leaky gut, what happens is there's a little bit of a breakdown of those barriers. Things kind of start to, to fall apart. Things can kind of pass in and out more than they used to. And the problem with that is if things that are inside the gut start traveling outside the gut, the immune system recognizes it shouldn't be there. And it's kind of a little alarm signal like, hmm, what is this? And yeah. that that might be a food. It might be a protein from an environmental allergen. Things that were supposed to stay inside are now out in the circulation. Body starts mounting this inflammatory immune response and all of a sudden, boom, you got food sensitivities, you got bloating, you got allergies, you got skin issues, you got eczema. And the, the second part of that conversation is where there's leaky gut, there's typically a leaky brain. The brain also has a barrier system. And if we see these barriers breaking down, a lot of times now we can see that happening. Now the blood brain barrier is definitely more strict, we'll say, than the gut barrier. <laughs> but a lot of times that's why people that have leaky gut, that have gut issues, they're like, well, I don't feel the bloating and stuff, but I have brain fog. I can't remember anything. I'm super foggy. I'm walking around in a haze. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. Like there's this whole other side of it. And beyond that, the gut and brain are, are, are constantly involved in crosstalk, having a communication. So a very long drawn out answer to where is leaky gut, but that's kind of what happens. And really when we look at the factors that cause it to happen, it's chronic stress, whether that's in the form of inflammatory diet, emotional stress, environmental toxicity, stress, like drinking too much alcohol, crap like that. Like all, yeah. all of these added layers, eventually the gut can't keep up with that anymore. And it kind of just starts this domino effect that now is going to impact the immune system, the brain, like every other area of the body. Mm -hmm. And when you start fixing up that gut and you clear out the inflammatory inputs and you strengthen the barrier system, your body starts coming back into balance. It starts functioning better. Like uh, I, I have this thought that like, a healthy gut is a resilient gut, meaning you shouldn't have to avoid a ton of foods for your life. Yeah. Like if that's still happening, there's still something going on. Like once you strengthen all the parts and pieces, you should be able to have some, some things that maybe you, you weren't having before. You shouldn't have to avoid entire macro groups or food groups. Obviously, if you have a true allergy, that's a little different, but yeah. for the most part, I see a lot of women 
telling me for years they have a gluten sensitivity, a dairy sensitivity, they can't have nuts, they can't have nightshades. And that stuff shouldn't be continuing if you're actually fixing what's going on at the core of the problem. No, that totally makes sense. And I think that's also such a great example of how we're far more connected than I think we realize or that we're taught growing up. Like the fact that the gut and the brain have that kind of pathway or connection or like we've, you've heard me talk about before, like the, the voice or the throat and the pelvic floor, like there's all these different things that are so connected past what we realize or like are taught about growing up. And heck, I don't even think like, we don't even really truly learn about it in school. Like as medical providers, it's kind of like, as we get out and do our own continuing education, it, we have to like search for those answers and find it versus being taught it at any really professional level, just nuts. Yeah. And I think, you know, knowing both of our backgrounds in body work, and if you have a lot of other clinicians who were body workers, you think of, you think of the patients who they would never like hold the muscle work or the adjustment that you did. It would be the same thing every single time. And you're like, what gives I'm, I'm doing the muscle work. I'm doing the dry needling. I did the mobilization. I gave them the corrective exercises and they're just not hold. Like they're just going back to, to that baseline that they came in mm -hmm. with again. And then you realize, oh, this person has a super inflammatory diet. They have a really stressful home situation. They're not sleeping. They have terrible yeah. PMS. And then you start to, you know, refer them to someone or you work with them on those issues. And all of a sudden the mobility is staying, mm -hmm. it's going away. They're holding the mobilization. So, you know, we, we try and separate things out and make them all these separate boxes, but, but you just can't when it comes to the body, the mind, all of it. Yeah. And, and it is, it's almost like that's actually more the low hanging fruit. Like if you find out about it at the beginning it's like the stress, sleep, and diet. Like sleep, I know you and I have talked about like the fact that sleep is so restorative. It's like the magic pill that no one's taking full advantage of. And that even kind of circles back to like how, like how to make rest more productive. Like if you're the person that's go, 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 and you're not prioritizing any kind of rest and you're not checking in with yourself, you're probably also the person that isn't sleeping well. And that just compiles everything so much. And then I think the other kind of like missing piece of the puzzle for a lot of people, so diet, stress, and sleep, but then also community. Like, I think community is huge. Now we met through an amazing community and we've talked, we've even like talked individually about our past struggles with connecting with women and finding a supportive community. So let's chat about that and how, like, does community affect the, the female brain, mental health, all the things that we're talking about? It does. And I... I think of areas like the blue zones, which are kind of this anomaly where people live the longest, they're the happiest, the healthiest, but they don't go to gyms. They don't drink. They, they, they don't abstain from alcohol. They have wine, like they do these other things, but what they have that's different than any other area where we focus on, you know, working out other things are really strong, really strong communities and social socialization around those communities. Um, it really is a community forward approach to bringing up kids, to supporting businesses, things like that. So we know the impact that community has on health and longevity. Now for women in particular, we are wired to thrive in community settings. Like if you think back to hunter gatherer days, like men are wired to kind of go out hunt, like they can be on their own, but women were always in community, raising kids, doing all of these other things. And we can see it in, for those of you who, who are into the studies, there's plenty of studies out there about how 
when women are in communities, when they're looking at other women, when they're expressing joy, when they're expressing gratitude, it increases levels of oxytocin, which is kind of like our happiness and love hormone. Most people think of it in relationship to when you have a baby, but actually we can impart that to each other as friends. That's why you tell your friends you're grateful for them and you love them. Yeah. Say, I love you. Sharing (laughs) that gift with them. (laughs) And you can feel it when you go to these events, whether you're in a CrossFit gym, whether you're in a personal development event, whether you're at a retreat, you're with other women, there's this energy high. And that's not, that's not just in your mind. I mean, it's in your brain, but it's not, you know, it's not just a fluke. It's your physiology. It impacts our hormones. It impacts our brain chemistry. And if we want to think about, okay, well, what does that actually do for us in the long run when women are happy and supported and they're giving to other women, that's when all of the other things fall into place for strong communities. Women tend to pour back into their communities. They pour into others. They invest in other women. So it's kind of the start from a physiology standpoint of community is so much more than, oh, I, I need to do this for my business. It's it's mm-hmm. actually, I need to do this for my health and for her health. And to me, that's just a really powerful part that I think is really missing from healthcare in general. You know, Most people go into a doctor's office. It's five minutes looking at a list of labs on your way. Like how many doctors have asked you, like, how's your, how's your home life? Like, how's going out with friends? Like, do you have a community? Do you have people you like to, like, no one, no one asks people that, but it's probably the most, it's probably more important than asking people if they're eating gluten or not, ultimately at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And then what about, okay. So that's connection and into community, but what about our connection to ourselves? So we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier um, with the the mirror stuff, but outside of that, like, let's dive a little bit more into that. Like, how does connection to ourselves play a role at like the health and wellness level, not just the talking nice to yourself just for like mental health side? Yeah. So the first thing I think of is sometimes like if you, if you've ever worked with someone like a nutritionist or a practitioner, or you were tracking macros and you're working with food, they have you like keep a little food and mood journal, a little food and Mm -hmm. mood log. Like how these foods make me feel? How do these foods affect my workout? How do they affect my sleep? So that's a, a simple example, but you can extrapolate that to how do, how do I feel in my body today? How do I feel in my mind? Am I distracted? Have I had a couple of days in a row where I'm all over the place? I don't know what I need. I feel anxious. And notice I didn't say my anxiety. I said, I feel anxious yeah. because we don't want to lay claim to emotions. We can feel that and we can acknowledge it, but when we start to define ourselves by that. That's where we kind of get into a little bit of trouble. I think when we're talking mm-hmm. about this, this self-awareness and connecting to ourselves. And I think I think a lot of us, again, you know, we talked about this earlier, we've grown up being very disconnected from our bodies. I went to Catholic school for a lot of years. And all I took away from that is like a woman's body is shameful. Like she skirts too short. Like I remember kneeling in the hallway and a teacher coming out with a ruler, measuring it to make sure it wasn't more than an inch off the ground when you were kneeling. Like Mm. that that was something that was still going on in the two thousands, which is just nuts to me. So we're we're telling women already, your body's shameful, cover it up. So of course we're going to start disconnecting from it. Oh, I don't want to be connected to that thing. It's bad. Yeah. It's, it's dangerous. It's icky. Yeah. Um, I feel like so you've it, read come as you are. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a book that I, like, I literally think any female or anyone who loves a female should read because that was such an eye opener to me for that exact reason, normalizing your body and not seeing it as shameful or other. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we've been, I don't think a lot of us think just how far down the rabbit hole that like media has driven us to think about Mm -hmm. female bodies. I, so Nicole, my podcast host is currently in Italy. And whenever she goes there, she posts all these beautiful photos of Italian paintings and statues. And like, they look all very different. There's all kinds of shapes and sizes and roles and things pointing in different directions. And, (laughs) and those are, those have been around for longer than America has been a country. So, you know, that's, that's a newer thing that we've done to ourselves. And I think the remedy for that is it's more than just saying it's more than just body positivity. It's, it starts with each of us being aware of our self-talk like, mm-hmm. even if it's again, those small things, like looking in the mirror, like, mm, do I look bloated? Is that bumpy? Like this and that. like, that's the way we're starting our our days. And like, you can start yeah. to shift that. And I, I think about that a lot. You know, if, if I get to have kids, like I don't, wouldn't ever want a daughter seeing me looking in a mirror, squeezing parts of my body or sucking in my stomach or trying to look a certain way that made her think that anything less than how she shows up is perfect. So that's kind of the narrative that I'm telling myself as I continue to work on those things, because I also think for a lot of us, like the work is not, it's never going to be done for that. It's going to be a lifelong relationship building with yourself. There's lots of different ways you can do that. You don't have to just look in the mirror every day, but I think, I think being comfortable with spending time with yourself is also a good starting point. I know you're really passionate about this. We've talked about solo travel before, Mm -hmm. even if you don't want to solo travel, I think. I think a lot of us are uncomfortable just being alone with ourselves. Yeah. Just like go to lunch by yourself. Like legitimately, I mean, like I'm doing a three-day trip this weekend, but you don't have to go that big right off the bat. Like just, are you okay going and sitting in a park by yourself or going to lunch by yourself? Like taking yourself on a date. How does that even feel? Yeah. Go into the gym without your phone. Like just, just literally be with yourself for like an hour. Don't get distracted by anything else. Just just sit with yourself. No podcasts, yeah. no music, just you and your thoughts yep. and your brain. Yep. <laughs> Terrifying, I know, but uh, yeah. I think really an important part of, okay, how do I actually build this awareness? How do I actually yeah. pay attention to what I need? If I don't know myself, how could I possibly know what I need? Yeah. And it's really exactly that. Like the more that you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. And the more it's like, it's like cold plunges. Maybe even if you're not comfortable during you love how you feel afterwards and the the clarity that you can have afterwards and I think it just builds on it on itself every single time like at this point I need like like regular intervals of solo time in order to not feel like a crazy person (laughs) yeah and I I think one of the biggest one of the biggest like I don't want to say excuses because that sounds harsh but one of the biggest roadblocks women put up are I can't spend time by myself other people need me But the reality is if you start prioritizing even little bits to set aside for yourself and you know yourself, you're going to show up so much better for those people. And you're going to model, if it's kids, you're going to model to them what it looks like to prioritize you and take care of you versus us continuing to model this, this self-sacrificing behavior that so many of us grew up seeing. Um, Yeah. So it's like an uncomfortable talk, but- Yeah. Yeah. Like the mindset shift of like, even if, even if you're not willing to start doing it for yourself, 
do it because you want to lead by example for those around you. Like it gives permission to your kids. It gives permission to your friends. Like if you flip it, like whatever you're saying to yourself, like, oh, but other people need me. If it was your best friend coming up to you and saying that they can't make time for themselves because other people need them, you would tell them to take time for themselves, that they matter. So why are you doing it to yourself? So I think flipping it on people like that, it really is a great way to kind of get them moving and getting them. It's almost like it it gives them permission to actually do it because they have such a deep, deep desire or a that idea of like, but other people need me, like that is a much deeper thing to work on. And that's not going to be overnight. So having that mindset shift allows them to move in the correct direction. Yeah. And I, I was thinking when you said that, that's like such a good challenge for people is, you know, we were talking about community and the importance of relationships, like pair up with one of your girlfriends and call each other out if they're not spending time taking care of themselves, like make sure they're, they're doing that because sometimes And look, I'm not perfect at it yet, but I know for me, something that's been so helpful and reinforcing is if I take an afternoon off or a day off because I need it, you know, my partner, Steven will be like, I'm so proud of you for doing that. Like you would not have done that when we met and he's right. I never would have, I would have just kept going. So sometimes having someone not even keep you accountable, but just like cheer you on, like, Hey, good for you. Like that is such a big, that is such a big win. Um, like being able to impart that to one of your girlfriends who you see like, man, she just needs to pause for a minute. Like she's doing so much and I hope she's taking care of herself. Like give her that, give each other that permission. Yeah, I think that's so important. So I want to wrap up. There's a couple questions that everyone is going to get on this podcast. On this podcast, we show all sides of our humanness. What is one fun fact about you that most people don't know? Mm, just one. Uh, most people know I'm a big nerd, so I can't use that one. But uh, <laughs> I'm a I'm a closet adrenaline junkie. I people always tell me I seem very grounded and calm, but uh, I love the Enneagram Seven comes out. <laughs> oh man, a good skydiving trip around a racetrack. Like I'm probably pushing it a little too far sometimes, but. Uh, for me, it's like, well, such a good part of life, like a little scary, a little fun at the same time. I love that. Love that. I mean, I'm also the same. So that's probably (laughs) why I love it. I'll go skydiving again. I'll do it. Um, Okay. So since this podcast is centered around breaking free of the expectations of others and leaning more into your true self, what's a good example from your life that really showcases that? That showcases me breaking through barriers. So what was the second half? Yeah. Yeah. Like what's the one thing that's contributed the most to you becoming more you irrespective of the expectations of others? Yeah. I have, I have a two-part answer if we have time for that. Um, The first was really getting uncomfortable as part of my daily (laughs) self-care. And by that, I mean, I mentioned earlier, I went through a divorce a couple of years ago. I kind of vowed when I was working through that, that I would just start going out of my comfort zone in day-to-day life. So like moved somewhere new, like would go to places I never went before, definitely got way more into biohacking, things that were uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I knew that they were training me to to get more comfortable in the long run with myself. Yeah. And the second thing for me for that that really changed was spending a lot of time learning about how I'm wired, not just from a hormone standpoint, but using tools like human design, like the Enneagram and kind of, for me, that started really shifting my, my thoughts and my beliefs around what I was supposed to be doing into 
what do I want to be doing that brings me joy and delight and lets me be really present in this one life we have while still mm -hmm. serving others. And that just wasn't something I was really taught growing up or in school or anything like that. It yeah. was, this is, this is the way it's the one way. Um, and that way was not aligned with, with who, who I am. Um, so starting to like spend the time to do more personal development, really, really learn about those tools and be curious about mm -hmm. how, how good it could get instead yeah. of settling for like, well, this is okay. I did the career track. Like here I am successful clinic, but yeah, like it checking could be the better. boxes versus yeah. Yeah, it could be I better. Like I, I could wake up more days than not feeling really great versus feeling like dreading heading into the office every day. Yep. So I want to wrap up with how the hell can people find you? Like what what do you have? Please pitch her wellness vault. Y'all, Dr. Laura <laughs> has an amazing, amazing program that we haven't really talked about, even though I tried to like open it up. So tell us about her wellness vault and then tell us how you can how we can find you. Yeah, her wellness vault just got a glow up. Um, her <laughs> wellness vault is now the Her Wellness High Performance Mastermind. Uh, it used to be a course and program vault, but that ever important community aspect, um, I really wanted to bring to it. So now you get to come in for six months and hang out with a bunch of women who are looking to learn more about their health and reconnecting with their body and with each other while they're running businesses. So we're all about health biohacking business. I'm super excited to open that in July. I think it's going to just, you know, I was looking like for a space like that to join for me. I'm like, well, yeah. I just, I don't just make this people, yeah. people can come over. So I'm really excited about that. Um, other than that, I'm on, I'm on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, just under my name, DR Laura Decesaris. So it's always me and my DMS happy to chat. Beautiful. Awesome. And I'll make sure to have all of those links in the show notes, as well as I believe you sent me a freebie. So the top 10 secrets for high performance health. So that will be in the show notes as well. Dr. Lott, thank you so much. And Thanks for having me. Probably chat with you in like an hour, honestly. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. high five for taking some time out of your day for yourself to listen to this episode it is my hope that it makes you feel more seen and heard and understood because we are all human and being human is messy and imperfect and beautiful and you are beautiful so if this resonated it would mean the world to me if you shared it on social along with your biggest takeaway and then tag me at move on the daily and hum at human dot on the daily thank you so much and see you next time Thank <laughs> you.